Well, I say we start out <coughs> right at the top here with with say beverage. So this is the elusive Venusian Pale Ale. Oh wow, that smells good. Even though it's it's probably not super fresh because I've had it for a couple months now, but it's still man, it still smells it hasn't fresh. Been that long has it? I think so. Well, no, I don't know when it was brewed. I didn't look it. Oh, here's let's see date. Oh, this is backwards. No. Oh, best by November twenty second, two thousand eighteen. So, yeah. oh, we got time. Now, this is the one that DZH brought us in uh, San Francisco at Trailheadics. Do you know what style it is? Well, it's it's a Venusian pale L. So it's I don't a pale, think I didn't know that it existed. Pale L from Venus. So a VPA. It is. That's what it says. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> What'd you do with your pour? I don't know. You have nothing but head over there. I'm going to balance that out. This one's yours, too. You're not going to get as much. That's fine. Anyway, this is funny. So this is by a New Zealand brewery called the Garage Project. And here's the description. A precocious little number using some of the more unusual local flora and fauna you find laying around here in the less civilized parts of the solar system. Lemongrass, kaffir, lime, leaf and grapefruit peel meld seamlessly with Venusian spear fungus and that funny green stuff that the local chappies seem to like licking off the rocks. Zesty is the word that springs to mind, and bloody good for morale. I mean, they're actually talking about it like it's from Venus. This is also funny. They have some colonial brewing corp. I don't know what that means, but it says, fancy yourself a bit of a brewer, then enlist today in His Majesty's Colonial Brewing Corp. It's damn thirsty work for the smashing chaps of the Earth's armed forces. Spend your days up to your danglies in mud and razor wire, bringing a bit of civil, uh, civilizing influence to those ugly Venusian brutes uh, can leave a chap parched. Oh, okay. Sorry for that bad read. That's where the Brewing Corp comes in. How's your average Tommy meant to go over the top if he hasn't had a bloody good pint or two of warm bitter to get his adder up? It's brewing at the, par- at the pointy end. <laughs> Sorry. Wow. <laughs> Those words were hard for me. Anyway. Oh, they have different warning labels than us. They're, so, you know, our pregnancy warning labels, it's like mm-hmm. they're really safe. This one says, it's safest not to drink while pregnant. <laughs> that's, that's way more gray area than our warning labels for yeah. pregnant. Anyway. It's, it's more of a suggestion than, than ours. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Thank you, sir. Well, I, the, so, the expectations are high for this with, yeah. with that list of ingredients. I mean, those were like fake ingredients, right? V- Venus ingredients? Wow, that's good. I don't know. I wouldn't mind the rock-licking stuff. What would that be? Um, lichen that grows on rocks? It is, good. It's really zesty, huh? Yeah. Very lim- like lemon-limey kind of. Well, John, is this going to be a... I noticed when you, came, when you came in, which I haven't seen you in, what, a week? week or so? No, no, two weeks. Wow, so, yeah, we didn't. We ended up not recording it all last week. Last week ended up just being a bust for me. So you went to you went to what was it called? Texas Dreamin. Yep. And I was planning on going, but then you couldn't end up ended up. You couldn't go except for about the last day, and, and I didn't want to drive down just for like one day. Plus, it was kind of an excuse for me because I had I had a bunch of stuff going on anyway. So I'm like, yeah, I'm not going to go. You bailed. Um. Anyway, so how was that? Uh, it was it was good. It was okay. So you were there for Friday. The, and you had to be, that was when your, both of your talks were on Friday, right? And you did Yeah, talks. I drove up Thursday night and then my sessions were on Friday. Yeah. So. Well, so was it, 
was it the same place as last year or a different place? Uh, no. So last year it was at the Driscoll Hotel. Yeah. And this year it was at the Hilton. Okay. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah, Driscoll's a really cool hotel. Very historic. Yeah. Um, well, one big difference from the Driscoll to, to the, I don't know if it was just closer to the action. Hilton is closer to the action. The By action, I mean young people debauchery. <laughs> um, it, there was no getting sleep. Oh, really? Yeah. In the hotel? Wow. Yeah. I mean, I think I was close to one of the closed off streets that they close off in the evenings. And so Thursday night when I got there, loud music, a lot of sirens, both police and ambulance. And then Friday night, same thing. Yeah, I'm not sure where the Hilton is, but I mean, the um, Driscoll's not far off of 6th Street. I think the Hilton's not, actually closer. Which is weird because I don't remember it being that loud. Was and it maybe Hil- it was, but maybe because I was on one of the interior rooms that it wasn't that big a deal. But this one, I was kind of right right there. So, Yeah, that's where I thought it was. It's, um, yeah, I mean... It's on. It's on basically on fifth, uh, kind of between fourth and fifth. So it, yeah, it's it's near the action, and it's close to thirty five. It's also there's there's a pub crawl, not too far from there, about a block over as well, a little bit mm-hmm. um, a little bit further south. So yeah, you're you're near a bunch of. That's awesome for you though. Yeah. Um, it's, it's not a good place yeah. when you need to get some sleep, like I needed, but right. So I was the old man. So, I was the old curmudgeon that was yelling at the kids to go to sleep. So I get off my lawn so I can go to sleep. I mean, you were really compressed last week too. Like you had a, I mean. Yeah, I had a lot to get done. And even, even after I drove, I worked all night. Um, well, some of it was working, trying to get a deployment to go through, which never happened because they were just running up, running across issues after issues, which, <sighs> which, we, old, which we could talk about. all Salesforce development. That was a, that was yep. a community deployment. Um, and then I, I still needed to put, put a little more polish and try to practice my presentations a little bit more because I've been so busy. I hadn't had a chance to. Yeah. So I mean, I've finally laid down around six and then slept off and on until about eight, eight thirty, and then got up and went to register. And so I felt like I was a bit of a, in a fog that day. So I apologize to anyone who talked to me and I was a little bit out of it. That's, yeah. that, that would be the reason. How do you feel like your talks went? I think they went pretty well. Um, my first one was on the accessibility stuff and it was in a really big room. And I think it suffered from the fact that it was so close to lunchtime. A, there was a lot of people, there was the lunch the lunch crew was making a lot of noise. Um, and I think someone from the show black team went and complained <laughs> and got them to quiet down. Oh, wow. So I appreciate that. Um, and then two, it was a little bit light. And I think that's just because people were kind of mm. milling around trying to figure out what they were going to do for lunch. Yeah. People like food. Yeah. <laughs> <clears throat> they like food over learning about accessibility. Plus, I, I think accessibility I needed, is one of those things that we all kind of virtue signal about a little bit, but then we're like, yeah, that, you know, I wonder if I, I wondered that about my title and I think my description got wordsmithed, wordsmithed, wordsmithed for me a little bit because I think it came off across as more, um, uh, what was the words you used? You're, I don't know. For what? You just, you just said it and I lost oh, my train of thought. So accessibility is something we like to virtue, virtue signal about. Yeah, yeah. I, think, I think it came across like more of a lecture where I was going to be up there and say, you better do this because of, you know, people. If, yeah, or, you know, because if you don't, then you hate blind people. Yeah, and that, <laughs> I, I feel like, I wonder if maybe I, need, I needed to work on the title and the description a lot more so that it wouldn't come across as that. Because really, I was just kind of showing, you know, how the Lightning Design System implements accessibility. I talked about a lot of different tools that you can use to... Um, test your pages and things like that for accessibility and contrast and and even just some reasons on why you should do certain things. I even did like a little quick comparison on images and how your choice of images can affect how accessible your designs are. 
Um, so it, re- it really wasn't about me up there lecturing and saying, do this because, you know, reasons. It was more just kind of sharing tools and, and experiences. Yeah. I mean, do you like when you do colors, do you think of people who are the different types of colorblindness? I do. I do. I try, but I always end up getting overwritten by the client a lot of times. Um, and even though I try to explain to them that their color choice isn't right or, you know, there's a reason I'm not using that color, sometimes they say, we want that color. Yeah. And I have to put that color in. And make the logo bigger. And make the logo bigger. <laughs> um, so it's, it's you know, I do my best to try to apply some of those things where I can, but sometimes I get overwritten, so. Yep. Um, and then what your other talk was, something lightning something, I'm sure, right? Well, it's more about modular writing modular code um, and kind of, I, I've always had this thing about modular code because I, I don't know if we talked about it or maybe I was talking to someone at, at, at Dream or Texas Dreaming about it, but. I always have this problem with the word module because it's gotten to be, it's gotten to mean so many different things. And so part of my talk was, well, how do I define a module? How do I kind of organize things and say that's a module? Or how do I organize things to say, this is where I draw the line of functionality and this is where I'm going to abstract it and here's where I'm going to create this interface for it and things like that. And isn't a module, modu- the word module is very context specific. Like you have, to, you have to say, okay, what are we talking about? What yeah. In what context are you saying? It's almost like, you know, unit testing or whatever. Like, what is a unit? Well, I don't know, different languages, a unit di- could be a different thing. I mean, it's in, very... In module, I mean, it inspires ideas of like, you know, plugins and, and dependency yeah, injection of, yeah. and things like that. Or and, is, like, and as a module component? I mean, I don't know, it just depends. I got it, Because yeah. in each, again, in, in different ecosystems or areas or whatever, they're going to use the word mo- module a little bit differently. They're going to use the word component. It's going to mean a, a slightly different thing. Um, well, considering this is a Salesforce event, like what is... Does does Salesforce use the word module for anything, except for Trailhead? (laughs) (laughs) Not really. They don't, do they? They don't. I didn't know if they did Lightning or not. No. I mean, everything's a component in Lightning. Yeah. I mean, even an application is technically just a a big component. It's Um, components all the way down. Components all the way down. (laughs) And that was one of my examples as well. I mean, I mean, we could we I I said we could expand the the terminology of module to even components. I mean, what is a component? Is it is it this one tiny little bit of functionality? Is it a composite of these different interfaces? Is it an entire application? You know, how do you define that? Yes, yes, and yes. Exactly. It's whatever you want it to be. So I try not to use. So essentially, that all what is of that, what is lightning? I don't know. It's like whatever you want it to be. All the th- we call all the things lightning, right? All the things lightning, all the things. Yeah. <laughs> Bodge all the things. Yeah. So I, so what I did is I framed the conversation around. Um, the other terms that I that I introduced, which is cohesion and coupling, mm-hmm. to say, you know, this is kind of how I try to define what I think a module is, or at least how I try to organize my code into into smaller blocks of, of functionality and try to understand, you know, am, am I in an area where I have really high cohesion or low cohesion or high coupling or low coupling? And, you know, how can I address that? Man, so I, I'm living in the world where I'm trying to not get people to, like, create workflows in production. And you're, and you're, talk, you're giving lectures on cohesion and coupling well <laughs> you've you've really you're in a different space than i am my my um uh, my presentation i think needs a lot of work you know i was able to apply it to sales was the first concepts. time you've given this one right it, it was the okay. first one i given it and i learned a lot from this conversation and i i think i know some ways to refine it and make it better so i think i think what i'll do is i'll keep with this topic um i'll keep it on my list of topics to kind of propose in your repertoire in my repertoire uh, <laughs> in my portfolio you're a traveling speaking consultant yes. And I'll continue to refine it because I did get a lot of interesting engagement and I got a lot of questions and a lot of interesting ideas thrown out there. And um, and even some of my examples, I wish I'd gone f- focused more on certain areas and and, and shown more than I did. Because um, by the time I got to some more interesting things, at least that I thought, 
um, I was already running out of time. So I, I still have a lot of refinement hmm. to do there. I'm always worried about in finishing and then having like half of my time left over. Well, I thought that was going to happen and I ended up over on both. Is that because people were engaging during your talk or you just, you were more? Surprisingly, yes. Um, okay. Even even though this, the, the number of people that were attending was, was a bit smaller than I had hoped, especially on, on accessibility, there's quite a few engagement. And I, I did a lot to try to draw people in, ask questions, try to get them to tell me, you know, their experiences or if they've had experienced something. I was really trying to work on that. And it was, it was, it's, it's kind of what I want to carry forward from what I learned from the extracurricular is try to get more of that engagement than just me being up there doing a demo and talking and lecturing. I'd really want it to be more of a conversation and try to get other people's input. Um, so the, so I was able, I think I feel I was able to kind of do that and I want to do that more. Yeah. That's always good when you can do that. I don't think I could, I don't think I could give a like a one hour talk where it's just me, just a uh, total monologue where I'm just lecturing. I mean, I guess I could what do you if think I you've had been to. Doing? Well, that's true. You think I would be good at it by now? <laughs> I don't think I'm loquacious enough, John. Wow, big word. I don't even know what that means. <laughs> did you make that up? Yeah, I did. No, you can look it up if you want. Sounds like a cool, cool name. So, uh, just the conference in general this year compared to last year. Um, it was bigger. I mean, was there, was, there was more people okay. in attendance, um, but I heard that that it was also there was also more partners than there were say admins or customers than there were last year. So I think the growth came from more partners attending. <laughs> this is this is typical in the Salesforce ecosystem. It's just like it, it's 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 sales people selling to salespeople everywhere you go. Yeah, that's why like Dreamforce was like mm. oh well that's one of the reasons why I have zero interest in going to Dreamforce. Yeah, I mean I, I guess I get I mean my only reason to go to any conference is if I can speak or participate i think i mean that's the only reason real reason for me to go to any kind of salesforce conference oh, that's so snobby of you john mm. well you can't go just to learn and, and network that's why i mean if if everyone had your attitude no one would go <laughs> see this is not sustainable <laughs> the problem is, is it costs money money i don't have and it costs you have time, an employer now time john. i don't have you have an employer now Oh, my employer is going to pay to send me to every conference, and well, I mean, you should go to a couple. I mean, you're a you're a seasoned senior software engineer at the top of your game. Like they, you should have a budget for going to conferences. I'm going to say this. That's, tongue that's in, the cost I'm of employing. I'm going to say this you. tongue in cheek. So don't take me seriously when I say this. But to my employer, I am a walking billboard. I'm, I'm wearing oh, my, yeah, my new are. shell black yeah, uh, Vans yeah, here. That's cool. Actually, they're really nice, really comfortable. Those um, are good. You know, it's my new shoes. No. Are these vans? They're not as cool as mine. These are Skechers, I guess. You don't have the the SB logo on yours. No, I don't. The Beats the, the Beats the, logo on the, yours. Uh, no, it's the the Congressional Budget Office logo. Oh, that's right. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I think next year he's going to have us with the spinning signs. Really? Yeah, there you go. You stand on the street corner. Yeah. No, we had shirts, we had hats, we had shot glasses. Um, for those of us that were there, we had shoes. It was really cool. You're, Actually, these shoes are really cool. I like them. I mean, it, Shell Black is definitely well steeped in the in the Salesforce selling ecosystem. Yeah. That's good. Keeps, keeps us all employed, right? Yeah. <laughs> it's a job security. Someone's got to sell it, right? <laughs> That's true. Yeah. And I'm glad it's someone else doing it. I don't know. I say that. It's one of those things, like, of course, as we know, we always, we all have to sell ourselves, whether it's yeah. getting a job or like, you know, you get brought into a new client, a new project. Like part of the, I mean, I always feel like right off the bat, they're, you know, so you get brought into a project, the client's immediately like assessing you. And so you have to basically you need to sell yourself, even though you've even though your employer already has the gig. Like 
you still need to like sell yourself and make them feel comfortable with you. Then okay, yeah, this guy's just not some jackass. He actually knows what he's doing. Yeah, I, I unfortunately participate—not well, unfortunately, but I participate in the pre-sales sometimes, and so <laughs> I'm like really upfront trying to sell. Yeah, <laughs> that's. I do my best. I mean, I, it's not like I'm trying to sell our services. It's just I'm just trying to help answer the customer's technical questions and and hopefully make them feel better about what our capabilities yeah, are. Use a lot of big words. Talk about the fourth industrial revolution and, and oh, di- yeah. digital transformation. Yeah. yeah. No, not really. I avoid those words. <laughs> well, then you clearly don't know what you're talking about, John. All right. Uh, so did you see anyone, uh, anyone that you know, any, any of the um, friends of the show? Uh, yeah, I heard there there was more friends of the show there on Wednesday, or I'm sorry, Thursday. Um, but by Friday, I think all that was left was uh, uh, Brett. Really? And uh, well, so Brett Nelson, uh, right? And, and by the way, Brett, thank you for the. Um, I've got my hammers here. Yeah, I got I got two sizes. Got I got a big one and a small one. Yeah. And and the the one I choose to hit John with depends on how much of a jackass he's being. <laughs> Well, I was trying to make the analogy that the big hammer was Java and the little hammer was JavaScript. Oh, yeah, it's like baby Java and Java. Yeah, <laughs> um, yeah he's got, I was just saying, he, I'm noticing he's got some nice branding going on here. He's got... Uh, oh, he had a sponsor um, for them too, so... <laughs> uh, is that his sponsor? What is this? Is this his sponsor? Yeah. Oh, oh, uh, I, um, yeah, I'm going to butcher this. Oh, Alan, I don't even know what this is. What the hell is this? I don't have my hammers in front of me. Here. I was like Thor grab. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, Zenovo. What? Zenovo. I've never heard of that. Uh, I have. Is that like a Lenovo? Maybe. Anyway, um, so, so you just saw Brett. How was it? I saw Brett, and um, I, I don't know how I don't know how to say his name. Stefan, Steve, Stephen. Oh, Stefan. Stefan Garcia. He's such a nice guy. He's very nice. I, I was. I, I was. Not, not that. Of, not that Brett's not a nice guy. No, no. But, no, I, mean. but <laughs> I was like, I don't know how to say your name. No, Steph- I was like, is it? Stephen, Stefan, Stefan, and he—he he was such a nice guy. He's like, eh, just call me whatever. I'll answer." No, and I, I realized after this, after this last Trailhead DX, that Stefan is my—he's like my Trailhead DX hangout buddy, or maybe it was Dreamforce too. I can't remember. I don't know how long ago we met, but it's like we always end up hanging out. But uh, yeah, that's, that's cool. probably Brett, Brett, and I because uh, every the last few concerts I've gone to, at least both both Texas Dreaming. I mean, he was my hangout buddy, and his his company's doing all this all this GDPR stuff. Yeah, I, I and I was even thinking, you know, we probably should have him on if we want to pick someone's brain on it. Not not to get legal legal advice, but at least just get an idea of. No, because I'm a total. I mean, I yeah. know at a high level it is, but I'm a pretty much a dumb dumb on it. And I probably should know a little bit more, even though it's it doesn't. Um, it's not a regulation in this country. Yeah, I mean, any work that you do that for a company that is international at all, or or may have customers or visitors to the website who are international. I mean, it it. it it, it, it's one of those things. It's it's like the GPL. It's viral, right? Anything anywhere it's used or anything it touches, it, it infects, right? And so if you have even if you have a couple of customers or visitors from, uh, from you know one of these EU countries, right? That you might be interested in having any kind of transaction with, like you you best be following GDPR. Uh, you wouldn't you wouldn't want that to come bite you in the butt at the last minute. Yeah, it's it's probably one of those things that'll probably end up happening here as well. I'm not sure what form it'll take or, you know, how close it'll be to it, but I I, I don't see it being too far away from happening here as well. I mean, is it going to be one of these things where like everyone just has some kind of some rote process or implementation they they do of GDPR and then they kind of forget about it after that or is it one of these things that like it's just this is ongoing like um you remember Sarbanes-Oxley mm-hmm. and th- and I think that's 
I don't know. It seems like that's an ongoing pain in the ass. Or actually, didn't didn't a lot of that get repealed? I can't remember now. Yeah, I'm not sure. I, I don't think it'll be as ongoing. I think I think I think things will get set up to manage it, but it doesn't sound like there's a strict auditing cycle to it. And maybe I'm wrong. It seems it's it seems more like if you're if you're found to infringe on the law, then they have the means to or they have the law to to kind of prosecute you over it. But it doesn't seem like there's a, an element of constant auditing that all companies have to go yeah. through. I could be wrong and maybe that's why we need to have Stefan on to kind of set us straight on that. But he was there, he was actually there. He had a booth. Um he was he was there promoting a product that he helped write. Um is the URL I'll put the URL on the show notes. It's elements.cloud, I believe. And um so he's got a lot of nice stuff there. He was gracious enough to sh- give me a demo and I could see his code. That's cool. Yeah um and I, I I wanted to mention that because he's got pretty nice code. Yeah. Clean code. I was impressed. Uncle Bob would be proud. Yeah, <laughs> I, I I had to nitpick at a few like you know padding. Of issues course, because John, yeah, and, you're... And, you know, there's there was a few things. Um, that's not quite cohesive enough. <laughs> <laughs> you're, you're tightly coupled here. <laughs> um, he had some few accessibility issues. Uh, you know, <laughs> uh, in classic, the margins were off a little bit, yeah. so you know, I had to give him a hard time. Oh, uh, there's no way to like. Perfectly straddle that classic and no, I mean you could you could waste and spend a ton of time trying to get get it to work. Just and what's up just of, right. with all the and I, I I've only been seeing this. I haven't really experienced it that much because I just have not been in Salesforce a whole lot. But apparently Salesforce just pushing Lightning harder and harder, like really intrusively. Um, Which like, sucks because I still have to jump over to classic. I'm I'm, well, I'm well, helping why, a client why, migrate, to but li- you still can though, right? I mean that's I, I just don't know. I don't know what people are talking about, but there's a lot of people. There's a lot of upsetness out there about because salesforce to users not to admins started displaying um little pop-ups saying hey look check out lightning tell your admin to enable lightning so you can play around with it oh, look how wow. cool so it they're is. shaming they're they shaming bypass the your, admin yeah oh wow yeah well that's you know what are you gonna do you're locked in you've signed your contract you're not you can't go anywhere because it's proprietary and you've got everything locked up in salesforce they're yeah but i, th- I think <laughs> what's even harder about it is there's a reason with that people haven't so, this and, is, and a lot of it is because features aren't enabled, or it's it, you know it's just not ready. You know, Salesforce should change their. I'm gonna I'm gonna give them some free uh, this marketing consulting advice here. They should change their tagline to "You get what you get, and you don't throw a fit." <laughs> That's pretty much what it is. Uh, uh, well, no, they do I, treat us like children, don't they? Uh, sometimes it feels a little infantilizing. Yeah. Yeah. Daddy Benioff gonna gonna help us stay trained and keep keep a keep a job so we can so we can just get by. <laughs> Uh, well, I, I want to jump to something random if you don't have anything else on TX, DR. Nope, I have some other topics that are unrelated. This is totally random, but I thought it was good. I liked it. Um, it's uh, Elon Musk's six productivity rules. And this might not be the what, best. Sleep on the shop floor? <laughs> this might not be the best thing because, boy, they've, get, they've got a lot of bad press and they're, they're really struggling right now. At least, at least Tesla is. Um, so, I don't know. I hope, hope it all works out for him. But... Uh, Anyway, um, I thought these were good. Number one, Nick's big meetings. Excessive meetings are the blight of big companies and almost always get worse over time. Please get out of all large meetings unless you're certain they are providing value to the whole audience, in which case keep them very short. I'd agree with that. Yeah, that's very good. Very much resonates with me. Yeah. Uh, Number two, ditch frequent meetings too. Uh, yes. Also get rid of frequent meetings unless you're dealing with an extremely urgent matter. Meeting frequency should drop rapidly once the urgent matter is resolved. 
you know, on that topic. And um, also, I was saying is the standing meetings. <laughs> I I just cannot do standing meetings because if I for, if I agree to do one client or project standing meeting, then I have to then they then I that can be used to leverage me into other ones. And then next thing I know is I don't have any time to get any work done. Yeah. But people get so pissed off that I won't go to their standing meeting. I'm like, it's no, it's a waste of time. If we have to have standing meetings, we're doing something wrong. Yeah. We're not using our tools right. We're not communicating right. Because meetings are really disruptive. And again, go back and read the, was it maker's schedule versus manager's, manager's schedule versus maker's schedule? And just understand the, the psychology of people who have to do creative and intense work. You are, be, you are disrupting the shit out of their day yeah. by dragging them into some stupid meeting. Yeah, I, I feel that. In fact, it's a lesson that I, I don't know if I learned or relearned on this last project that's been giving me issues. Not really issues. It's just been a very stressful, high-paced, demanding project. Uh, and it's really um, consumed a lot of my energy. Yeah. Uh, and, and one of the things, it should have been a smell to me. I should have recognized it when it happened. But at the time, I think I was a little bit hungry for hours, so I didn't even think about it. And that's the other thing. You got you to gotta worry about what you put in your mouth when you're hungry. <laughs> You might That's, when you're hungry. Sounds like some sage advice, <laughs> <laughs> really. Because uh, when you when you when you don't have very many hours and and this project comes up and you're thinking, oh yeah, I can handle that. Yeah. I can handle your two meeting a week schedule, no problem. I got nothing else going on. Yeah. And then all of a sudden things hit, and that that two meeting a week schedule becomes a problem. Because here's what happened: it wasn't a, it it didn't end up being a check in or a chance for to talk about issues. What it, it ended up happening, the grammar was bad on that. What ended what ended up happening? We knew what you meant was the client expected to see something at every meeting. They wanted a demo of function, new mm. functionality at every meeting. And I just, I couldn't keep up with that pace. It's like, I'd yeah. have a meeting, they'd make a bunch of changes. Mm. I'd have like maybe a day to, to try to incorporate them and they didn't do another demo. It was just, it was killing me. Yeah, I had no time to plan or manage my schedule. I just had to focus and stay up late to try to get something so I can demo because that's what their expectations are. Yeah, you want to uh, you want to avoid that expectation getting set, and but and it sets fast too. Um, I've uh, was working on a project where we were we actually I think it was a weekly meeting, and it was not it's not one of these like uh, it was not a you know end of the scrum or not end of the scrum end end of the sprint meeting where like mm-hmm. you're doing the demo like the sprint demo. It wasn't that. It was just a a weekly meeting, basically where we could um, talk about. Um, because we do we we were using a um a backlog which I almost require. I mean I. I I almost require Kanban continuous mm-hmm. flow with a backlog. That's yeah. the only way I'll work. I just I'm convinced and I'm too I'm just I'm too set in my ways. I know I, what I, I know I like works. Too, yeah, so. I mean um and so we'll talk about um we'll kind of we'll talk about the, what's in the backlog, the order of it. Maybe they might, they might ask me, well, how long do you think this one will take because that depends on how we'll sort it or whatever. So we'll do those kind of things. And and one week I said, "You know what? Let me share my screen because I uh, I want to show you guys something get your feedback on this." So it just like took a few minutes and showed them a thing, got some feedback. And the next week they're like, oh, we thought you'd be, you know, showing us some progress again. I'm like, oh my God, it was once. It was once. <laughs> you messed <laughs> up. Is that what this is for? Yeah. No, they're, they're actually a very cool client though. And it was, it was not, it did not, it was not a problem. Um, cause I, well, I mean, I, cause I, I communicate well with them in, in, in other ways. I mean, I do show them yeah. feedback a lot and I'll, I'll make little, um, I use this. Remember when, remember when I talked about, I was so, I was so troubled by making decision on one of these little cloud app, little apps to get. Um, mm-hmm. there, I can't remember. There's like Dropler. What I, what did I end up going with? I can't even tell what the name of this thing is now. Um, Dropshare and I'm going with Dropshare and I, and it, it, 
it's the difference with it. It's not a, it's not a um, subscription. You actually, well, it can be if you use their back end. If you want to use them for storage, it's a subscription. But if you want to use and you have a choice, you can use S3 for storage. I chose to use a Google Drive because I already have a Google Drive with a ton of space. Mm-hmm. So in that case, I had to buy the app. It was like twenty or thirty bucks. So bought the app. I own it. But anyway, so it'll, it'll, one of the things it does is uh, you can just like do a random video of anything and uh, on your screen, and you can drag a little window if you only want a certain part of your, your screen or whatever. And, uh, and then it just gives you a link, and you can send that link out. So I'm always I, you know, pasting links into Slack to say, hey, you know, here's progress on the, what this is looking like. Check this out. And they, I mean, they, I like to drop those things pretty regu- regularly to just uh, keep people feeling good and, and also to get feedback and just so they can see progress. And then it, it also relieves the pressure on when, when we do meet. Yeah. It's not like they have this pent-up anxiety because they haven't seen anything in a while. Little little yeah. uh, pro tip there. <laughs> it, I, I don't know. It's it's always tough whenever you have a client who's trying to move fast and and they want to see progress, and you're you're at the same time you're trying to collect feedback on things, and the lines get blurred between status meetings, um, progress check-ins, and you know just delivering. I do, but both of those I don't like. I don't like either of those progress because they, they're the same thing. Status meeting and progress check-in. I mean, I don't know. It, they, they can just get so unhealthy really quickly. And yeah. I will say, um, and it's very Scrum-specific, but there's a book, I think it's from Mike Cohen, called Succeeding with Agile. Mm-hmm. And it talks about, one of the things, that a couple of the different themes of that book that are really valuable are the things that the Scrum Master needs to do to kind of, I would say, interface between like the team and the product owner. And basically, and just how to be a good scrum master, but also how to be a good product owner. And because I think that what tends to, what I tend to see happen more is like the product owner, which often is just the client, right? That you're dealing with. Right. Um, you de- they develop an unhealthy relationship with the development team. Yeah. They've either got too much access or, you know, the communication isn't right. And not that you shouldn't have a lot of access, but it's got to be the right kind of access at the right time in a way that really enables the development team to do the work and, and, and allows the product, uh, the product owner to do their work, to, yeah. to give the team what, what the team needs in order, in order to accomplish the product owner's goals. And there's just, there's so much that, you know, when you read that book, you're like, oh my God, I've, yes, that can happen. That can happen. There's so much that can go wrong with that relationship. And it just really helps unless you've been someone who've, you know, you understand psychology really well and like you've, you've trained from the best, you know, you, um, you, you, it really benefits to read the book of someone who, does check those boxes and who has really uh, spelled this out and like given you all these things to watch out for. Yeah. I need to look into that. I, I, I mean, just based on what you're saying though, it seems kind of like a double-edged sword though, because the, the further removed I am from the client, the further removed I am from the requirements. So, uh, I mean, and, and I don't think you should be far removed. That's, I guess, I and that's why I was careful. I don't want to say that you, the product owner shouldn't have access to the team or vice versa. But I mean, I, like I said, double-edged sword, I do see how, the client having direct access to the developer it leads to a lot of abuse. Right. You know, yes. this quick change or that quick yeah. change or just yeah, change yeah. the color here or just change this and not really understand the ramifications of all that. I and mean, that's why I like, you know, this, this process is like Scrum. They, there are certain defined ways that the product owner gets to um, and, 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 why, and ways they have to interact with the backlog. Like we depend on the product owner to keep the backlog groomed, right? To keep the most important things at the top and to help us break down uh, epics and all that kind of stuff. Like there's things that we have to have the product owner help with. And that's got to be timely as well, right? Yeah, but, that, can, that can be a challenge when the 
product owner also is trying to do their day job and or um, they don't they don't know how to run a project. Like this, this is why I'm in my older age. I'm getting more and more picky on what projects I take. Mm. I mean, I just I know I can I can I've gotten I just I've gotten better at kind of t- telling from a distance whether something's going to be a good project or not. Sorry, let me go on. Do not disturb. Okay, let's get back to the list. Um, number three, leave a meeting if you're not contributing. Uh, so it says, walk out of a meeting or drop off a call as soon as it's obvious that you aren't adding value. It's not rude to leave. It's rude to make someone stay and waste their time. Yeah, I'm Ellie. I charge them anyways. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but you still, your problem is you only have so much time and you, and you want to do, everyone wants, almost everyone wants to do. Yeah, I know. They want, you know. You want to do the best job you can. You want to deliver the most valuable value you can. And, the, problem, and, the problem is if you're in a meeting that, that, you, that you need to walk out of, it's already too late. I'm already distracted. I'm pulled away from what I was working on you've already wasted my yeah, time but if, but if you're only 15 minutes into a one-hour meeting and you realize it's just not the meeting for you to sit there and wait if you got yeah cut your losses i mean yeah you've lost 15 yeah. minutes or actually you've lost more than that because it's going to take you a while to get back where you were yeah. and everything else but you still you're still saving 45 minutes by walking out of that meeting and I, those add up yeah um, number four, drop jargon. Don't use acronyms or nonsense words for object softwares or processes. Uh, in general, anything that requires an explanation inhibits communication. We don't people we don't want people to have to memorize a glossary just to function at Tesla. I remember I've I've had several people tell me. And t- t- tends to be bigger companies have um, just acronym city man. It's just crazy. It takes an it takes a new hire you know six months just to be able to understand the typical conversation at the company. Yeah, sometimes it's just industry terms, which I, I understand. But I've seen some companies that for some reason they feel that they have to brand every internal initiative. Right. Yes. I'm like, why are you branding this? It's, why why this are you having a... to like wrap this bow around it and create yep. this project yep. and do this party to introduce this new initiative and put your little acronym? Yeah, name we're now on we're it? today we're announcing the CPJS. Yeah. And it's and then a, that project is sour, yeah. and so they just rename it. Yes. Even though they're still doing that the, same project. The IPCQ. They just rename it. It's the IPCQ. Yeah. And it's like, what? Who comes up with these things? And but the, the problem is, you know, you, you end up with 150 different acronyms. It's just, I mean, I remember being in a meeting where we spent probably half our day trying to name a damn project mm. yeah, so ridiculous. that we could announce it to the rest of the organization and, and create this initiative. And I'm like, really? All right. Number five, communicate directly, irrespective of hierarchy. Communication should travel via the shortest path necessary to get the job done, not through the chain of command. Any manager who attempts to f- enforce chain of command communication will soon find themselves working elsewhere. Mm. I see that a lot. There's a whole other paragraph on it, but I'm going to skip that just so we can move along. Number six, this is the last one. Follow logic, not rules. In general, always pick common sense as your guide. If following a company rule is obviously ridiculous in a particular situation such that it would make for a great Dilbert cartoon, then the rules should change and don't follow it. I don't see too many examples of that. In fact, I see the opposite. I think people are way too loose with their rules. Oh, wow. And John's the enforcer. No, I'm not the enforcer. I just... They're, they say one thing and they do another thing a hundred different times. Yeah. Well, the next thing I have is uh, chat bots. What, what the hell happened to chat bots? Remember that? That was our big topic. Of, was that about a year or so ago? I, say, I thought we talked about that. I thought we talked about chat bots. Yeah, right? they were going to take over. Every, everyone was releasing their chat bots. Everyone was going to build chat bots. You have chat frameworks and the Microsoft chat framework and all Nobody these. Nobody wants to talk to a damn bot. Well, yeah. 
No one wants to write commands. I mean, only us nerds want to do command line interfaces. I guess this company or the whoever this is is in the bot business, growthbot.org, but uh, they had a good post. It was just, you know, chatbots chat were the big next thing, or the next big thing, if I can read. What happened? I'm just going to read a couple highlights I did here. So at the Mobile World Congress 2017, chatbots were the main headliners. The conference organizers cited and, quote, overwhelming acceptance at the end of the inevitable shift of focus for brands and corporates to chatbots. I don't even know what that means. In fact, the only significant question around chatbots was who would mon- monopolize the chat uh, the field, not whether chatbots would take off in the first place. Uh, and then the question is, will a single platform emerge to dominate the chatbot and personal assistant ecosystem? One year later, we have no answer. We have we oh we have an answer to that question. No, no one will dominate it because there isn't even an ecosystem for a platform to dominate. It just didn't go anywhere. Uh, I'm not even sure we can say chatbots are dead, according to the according to Digit's Ethan Block. Chatbots, uh, oh, no, we can't say chatbots are dead because I don't even know if they were ever alive. Uh, Dan Feldman uh, from Heap uh, says, chatbots didn't just take on one difficult problem and fail. They took on several and failed all of them. So they were, I think that they were talking about is that, you know, chatbots tried, I mean, there, was too, there were too many problems they had to solve. Um, let's see, where's the list? I don't know, there's some lists like, but they're basically having to uh, solve, you know, language processing, like natural communication. There's like too many, you know, it's all kinds of too, too many things. And yeah, but do you think that's what is that? Is that what is that why chatbots haven't taken off just because we didn't do a good enough job or because it just wasn't a good idea for 90% of the things people thought they were going to use chatbots for. I just think it wasn't a good idea. I agree with that. And I think people failed, failed to execute. Again, the hype, as with AI, the hype was way out of control. Yeah. I do think there are some uses for chatbots. I just think it's not near as pervasive as what people hoped they would be. Yeah. Bots for the sake of bots. Does my product need a bot? Are existing platforms able to support its functionality? Do I have the patience to build a bot that's capable of doing what I want it to? Another problematic aspect of the sweeping nature of hype is that it tends to bypass essential questions like these. For plenty of companies, bots just aren't the right solution. The past two years are littered with cases of bots being blindly applied to problems where they aren't needed. And that's what we were just talking about. Mm -hmm. That's my, I think that's, to me, that's like the, the crux yeah. Is that a good word, John? I feel like that's a, is yeah. that like an SAT word? The crux. Maybe it's not. I don't know. It's, it's too short. It's only four letters. According to recent reports, 70% of the 100,000 plus bots on Facebook Messenger are failing to fulfill simple user requests. And they say this is partly a result of developers failing to narrow their bot down to one strong area of focus. That's okay. I don't they, even, they got the engagement and they got your information. That's all they really And I know you're, not, you're, you're less of a Facebook person than I am, but... I literally have never seen a Facebook bot. I have no idea where I would even go to find a Facebook. I use Facebook more than I should, and I don't think I've ever seen a bot on it. I haven't used it at all. I, I so don't long. even know where they are. Anyway, I mean, there's more, but this is actually a long, like, a couple more things here. Here's the other thing. Conversational UIs are built to rep- replicate the way humans prefer to communicate with other humans. But at the end of the day, no amount of witty quips or human-like mannerisms will save a bot from conversational failure. Yeah, and that's what I really annoys a lot of a lot of people about Siri is she gets too much stuff wrong, mm-hmm. and she tr- she tries to be funny about it, and it's just it's annoying. It's okay when you're getting stuff right, but when you're getting everything wrong, it's annoying if you're trying to be funny. 
I, I don't have much faith in any of these of these bots or even just the the uh, the voice assistant. But those are essentially bots too. I mean, that's that's really what they are. Yeah, they just they just have voice recognition yeah. attached to them. Well, I don't want to dominate John, but I do have some other topics. Why are you dominating? I said I don't we, want to. So we have two things that we want that I wanted to cover. Um, we want to talk about community more. I do. I just learned. right because I know you are doing an ongoing community project with a lot of development, and I just can't wait to hear your updates on how much you love communities. My other topic that I have, and I thought would be fun to get into, is the the article on what Mark Benioff got right and wrong about the cloud. Did you see that article? I did. Um, okay. Yeah. If you have thoughts on that, that'd be cool to listen to those. Uh, you have a choice on which one we start with. Let's communities first. Okay. Well, I'll let you lead it in. I don't, I don't know what I, you want I don't, to know. I mean, I don't have, I just, I want to know, because I know you've got this ongoing project. It's a lot of development, it's a lot of community development, a lot of custom stuff. Yeah. And uh, It wasn't supposed to be. And see, I... And that now, was the problem. Well, here's the thing. That was one big problem. In case this hasn't been clear from previous episodes, or in case, dear listener, this is the first time you've listened to this show, um, I, this is Jeremy speaking, <laughs> 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 I have been working with communities for probably five years. A lot of and almost all custom communities, like one hundred percent custom, where it's I'm using you know a, a dummy Visual Force page to bootstrap in some you know single page application or that or it's like a just hundred percent Visual Force or whatever. Um, built some pretty big stuff with that, and so you know I've I've, I've seen I'm I'm well familiar with communities and and all of its uh, good and bad parts. So I'm I'm very interested now that. You're doing a communities project to hear how you're liking it. I'm doing a couple right now, but uh, this one, this one in particular. Uh, see, I'm you're going to take. See, here's the thing. I was the communities guy, and some people would come to me with their communities work. Now you're going to be the communities guy too, and so I'm, I'm going to, I'm going to lose guy. all that work. No, I don't want to be the communities guy. You're, um, you're, you're Bogart. You're going to be you're, the you're, full you're, custom <laughs> community guy. I'm the, I'm the guy struggling in the, in the back with, with trying to do a full <laughs> native. Uh, communities. You're you're bogarting my communities work, John. I'll, get, I'll give it back to you. <laughs> so, nah. Nah. <laughs> the communities, it, it is the hot potato of Salesforce, isn't it? <laughs> it is. Well, you know what? In fact, this project was one you de- declined and I had to take. It, it is, actually is. <laughs> I think it's because, I think I could decline it because I was too busy, actually. Yeah. I don't wow. think it's Although you know, maybe maybe that was proved, that's been proven to be a wise decision. I'm not sure. <laughs> Actually, you know, you know what? I think they would have benefited from a full Jeremy Ross custom, custom uh, yeah. JR Customs. And you know what the thing is is uh, is often at the start of the project of, of a community's project. Sometimes I can give like very concrete reasons why that it has to be custom. And sometimes I'm just like, you know, I I don't have any nothing you have said in your requirements. I, there's nothing I can point out to you that, sa- that says that you absolutely can't do this with Lightning Bolt or Aloha or whatever the mm-hmm. Palua, Kalua, whatever their themes are or whatever. And mainly because I don't know very much about those. Because they're, I've looked at them and they're pretty much a waste of my time. I mean, just, no one's going to pay me to, to do a template you know, community. The, the problem with, with communities is they're customer-facing. So unless you're willing to, to let Salesforce dictate your design and, and how it looks and feels... And and you're basically saying Salesforce, you take the reins, you handle all the the customer user experience. If, if that's if that's okay with you, then fine. But if you're trying to if you're trying to provide a community that has your branding, your aesthetics, your look and feel, your kind of philosophy on how things should work and act, communities isn't going to do it for you. Well, 
And I think what I think I, to finish my point, what I was going to say was sometimes I can't give them people concrete reasons why they shouldn't go all custom. Oh, sorry, why they should go all custom. Mm-hmm. But I still tell them I just I think you should go all custom. And if, well, and this and one, if you was- want it, if you want to do all custom, I'll work on the project. If you don't, then I won't. Because every non-custom community project I've done has been a has ended in disaster, failed projects. People want their money back. People want to sue. All that, the whole thing. Well, because hopefully that's not because again, starting a community project, it's like looking out across, you know, a Vietnamese minefield. <laughs> you know, there's mi- You know, there's mines out there. You know, they're. Yeah. All over the place. Yep. Problem is you don't know where they are and you don't know if, you know, there's, it's very unlikely that the set of requirements you're working with, which by the way, will change over time, mm-hmm. if that's going to be a safe path through that minefield or not. Right. And it's just better just to clear the minefield or just go or fly over it. Yeah. That's my, yeah. that's my metaphor here. Fly well, on over this the one, minefield. On this one, the timeline was kind of a factor as well. You know, they really wanted to get up and running really yeah, quick. And yeah. I was like, well, then we have to go native. I, there's no way I'm going to build a custom site for you in this time. Well, what happened is they kept asking for this and they kept wanting this. Sure. And they're like, this doesn't look good right. enough. Yeah, for our, exactly. We're not going to release it looking like this. Yep. And so they kept adding more and more custom. Now, uh, even though I'm using native, it's a shell. In fact, I'm hiding some things with CSS. CSS important, no less. <laughs> You know, I'm, I'm like, I need to take like 10 showers after doing that because <laughs> I, I, it was such a horrible thing to have to do. Uh, <laughs> but I had to do it because I was stuck on, on this path that I put us on, and mainly because they wanted to move fast, quick and fast and get a, product, a, a pilot out. Well, and, that's, and I gave them all the information they needed to make this decision and they went with it anyways. And then as we built it, for some reason they had amnesia and they forgot all that and they wanted this whiz bang custom thing. That looked awesome without a uh, benefit of a designer. So I had to play developer. I had to play designer. I had Ooh, to play all this. Look at this one. It's like pink lemonade. It's pretty. Or uh, grapefruit juice. But I, I did learn quite a few. I, I did step on a, quite a few mines, and a lot of them have bit me. No, that, that's the thing with communities, uh, m- more so than I think other areas of Salesforce development is, I mean, I guess if if you have a very clear and detailed set of requirements up front and it's been promised, you know, in blood that they will not change, okay, maybe do a non-custom community if, if, that, if that fits the bill. <laughs> the problem is like, you may start out with being able to do a custom community, but then turns out, you know, then, oh, yeah, we got to get, get the branding and marketing people on the call now to see if this is going to work. And, you know, just stuff changes. Stuff always changes. And you just have way less flexibility if it's not a custom community. Well, we thought we were giving them more flexibility by trying to go native. First, we're, we were saying, okay, we can meet your, t- we yeah. can get to oh, your yeah. timeline quicker. Clicks we're are, just, we're just know, dragging yeah. and dropping these things on Low the page. Low code. Clicks not there code, was, John. There's maybe two custom components I would I had to write for this, and, and we, we would have been there. Yeah. Um, Low code. They also, had, they also wanted to start implementing you know, some other third-party application stuff into it. And we're like, okay, well, that's cool. Those guys provide lightning components. They'll be able to drag them onto this. So the more we stick to using the native platform, they'll be able to put these, these components wherever they need to, and, it'll, and it should work. But they kept asking for more custom. And even the custom stuff I wrote got expanded quite a bit to where it was basically full-page functionality. Yeah. Almost a, a tiny component ended up being its own kind of um, SLA or SPA. SPA. Yeah. Yeah, we don't know. There are no SLAs in this business. I'm using acronyms, by the way. I know you are. Jargon. Yeah, I'm using jargon. I'm not supposed to. 
Uh, so one thing that bit me um, is I went to deploy. And you got to be really careful about how you deploy a community. First of all, it doesn't deploy everything. And oh, I don't know how to get it to deploy communities everything. Deploying is, is communities is fraught with issues. But one important thing to realize is you have is, the network, you have the dome, you have the site. You the do. Network and site are both things that have to... Right? Yeah, because communities are kind of split across those two things, if yeah. I remember correctly. I had to, I had to pre-create the community in production before we deploy yeah, as well. Yeah. Now, the problem with that is um, I pre-created it and left it there. And then uh, probably a couple of days or maybe even a week later from that, I did the deployment. The community in production is inactive. My, com- my community in Sandbox is active. Yep. When you deploy it, guess what it does? It activates it. It freaking activates sure your does. community. That sure does. Well, that's your, that's, that's not, I don't blame that on Salesforce. I mean. <sighs> I don't know. It shouldn't be enabling on deployment. I mean, but that you, should be a push, separate function you push to over, activate You push the over a settings XML file that said active true. That's just you, dangerous. It is, but you're you're a developer. You're playing, you're, you're, you're working with... Imagine no, this. We, we had set you're up working the, with sharp tools here, John. I mean, yeah. Ima- yeah, imagine we had set up all the community profiles and all the users. Now I do my deployment at 12 o'clock at night and there's still things to do. And all of a sudden, all these customers get email notifications. Hey, yes. come check out our portal. And they're logging into something that's yep. half deployed. Yep, I know. That's dangerous. Or I still hear all the time, you know, people doing like data loads and they forget to turn off email deliverability. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and so thousands of emails go out. <laughs> that's fun. Uh, or an integration that's got uh, trace logging on and it 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 um, kills your deployment log. That's what happened to me the other day. Oh. That's what happened. Is oh. it, I'll, I'll I'll segue into this. Okay. Uh, you remember when I was saying I couldn't get debug logs and I couldn't get trace logs? We found out what happened. The integration account had trace logs on. So when it was importing bulk, I yeah. mean, millions Lots of records, of mm-hmm. it created all these log files. Mm. And even though I deleted everything, there's still a back-end process on the Salesforce side that has to happen. And yeah. it took it a week for that process to run and clear everything out so that we can actually do <sighs> logging. I know, I, know, I know the way to build things nowadays is everything's asynchronous, but if you're going to have asynchronous services that, yep. What is this? <laughs> I wasn't expecting that. Uh, let me finish my thought. If you're going to have asynchronous services, uh, then they at least need to, they need to have SLAs. Like, you know, don't wait 30 minutes to for your text index to run after I create new records. Like, people create new records, they expect to be able to then turn around and search for those records, right? Yeah. You know, don't have your 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 uh, log cleanup job, you know, be so slow that I'm generating logs way faster than it's cleaning them up right. because now I'm stuck. I can't get logs. Yeah, I mean, I understand the I understand the attraction and the low coupling of asynchronous <laughs> services. I appreciate all these architectural benefits, but there still has to you still have you need, to, you need to be managing SLAs on those things. You need to be managing SLAs. I mean, I can't tell you how many times I've gotten on calls with with um, people at Salesforce who this is like their job managing the performance of um, deployment times and how how the deploy there are basically these algorithms that determine how your deployment job is going to be get it's going to get queued small job gets queued closer to the top of the line right mm-hmm. uh, big job they they deprioritize you down which which makes sense i understand that but the problem is when you know any deployment job you're sitting in a queue for um minutes 7 8 10 15 minutes before it starts the deployment you're you're impending yeah. you're impending and they're just like, yeah, yeah, we see it's impending. Yeah, this, this, yeah, this pod's got got some contention. Yep, mm-hmm, yep, yeah, we're we're aware of that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, yeah. Thanks for letting us know. I mean, no, 
that should not be. And I and I, I'm, I know I'm being, uh, what's the word? Facetious, I guess. Mm-hmm. I, I know these people. I mean, they're they're smart and they're they're doing what they can. Um, it's just they need to do better sometimes, or they need to convince their managers or something, you know, to to prioritize these things because it's it's the little things like this that that result in a a lot of people just getting who are really the people that you shouldn't be pissing off people that are out there making your stuff work for clients and they're like don't piss us off i mean you're like listen to what we're saying here like give us a way to log cases or give us better access than logging cases and going through your horrible support uh system Maybe there should be a certification. I mean, you, have you seen? Have you seen that? There just- should be a certification, <laughs> or some process where we can get like whitelisted on, like, to get to that access as an individual. That sounds racist. It does, doesn't it? Yeah, it does. We've got to come up with a new name for that. You can't yeah. call it a mailman. You can't call it whitelisting. <laughs> <laughs> but you know what I mean. I mean, it, yeah. you can't open it up and say, "Okay, you're a developer. You have access to this really smart guy on the product team." It, it, you're going to have some really dumb developers asking some really dumb questions. Yeah. So I mean, and, and there's kind of a it's not a you can't call it a system. There is pe- people who like the Chuck Liddells of the world, the Roger Mitchells who are they're going to all these things all the time, and they've they've you know they're really good at networking, and they know they know every product manager for everything, and they know their email addresses, and they, they have drinks with them and all that stuff. That are really good at that. They know who to contact when they when they hit any given problem. I don't. I'm just this guy. I sit here in my little office studio in Frisco, Texas, and I don't get out a whole lot. I don't know these people as well as everyone else does. And I'm at the mercy, but I'm still building big stuff for important clients. Mm-hmm. And clients that are important to Salesforce. <clears throat> and, and it doesn't and, help that you're working with a big client because as soon as they hear partner and developer, they're like, oh, you got to go to them. Yeah, It's not our problem. Right. Yeah. I mean, I don't know if it's like a, you know, prove that you're not a dummy and then you can, then we'll let you, you know, immediately go to tier three or something like that. Um, it would be nice to have some kind of badge I, or something that says, "Hey, well, I, I kind of know what I'm talking about and, here. I and just need someone to to listen to me." And, right, and a lot of times I'm just I'm just let I want to let Salesforce know, "Hey, I found this bug. I mean, I'm pretty sure it's a bug. You never be totally sure. So I'm just doing you're something you're doing wrong. But sometimes it's just like, okay, yeah, this is this is a bug, and I'm just trying to let you know. Yeah. But the problem is, I get immediately I get a, I get a call back for some reason a call. They always want a phone call, uh, and they want to schedule a go to meeting, mm-hmm. and I'm just like. And this, you know, the person you're talking to has all. Basically, their training consists of how to email and call back and forth with customers who are needing support in ways just to to get that case closed. Well, to kill the kill the switch kill, on the clock. Yeah, exactly. The, the clock that says, "Oh, we'll respond and, in two hours." Or and I'm not even. I'm not even. I'm not even creating this case out of my own for my own benefit. I'm creating it for the greater Salesforce's benefit. Because I just want them to let them know that, hey, I think this is a bug. And that's even hard to do. Yeah. But, you know, I, I just was seeing some of the discussions in the Slack this week about supporting. And I haven't, I haven't, I just basically, unless I absolutely have to, I completely avoid the entire support thing. Yeah. And I, and people have, I don't know, there's been some, some people that have had to get into it. And it's just, yeah, it's just, and there's some discussion around that. Speaking of the Slack. For the for the people that are listening for the first time today, John, and 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 are thinking to themselves, man, I got I got to get in the Slack. Like that'd be great. You're doing this kind of early. Um, yeah, no, we're, it's a it's a great Slack. It's uh, we are a a diverse and fun and helpful group, and uh, and I know I know there's some people listening going, you know, how do I I got to get in on this? How do, how would they do that, John? How do they get in on this Slack? I mean, it's got to be what is it twenty twenty bucks a month, thirty fifty bucks a month? I mean, it's got to be a fee for this, right? 
No, not 20, not 30, not even 10, <laughs> not even five. What? The low, low price. Don't even zero. say, don't even say free. Don't even zero. say free. It's oh free. my God. Oh my God. Head yeah. blown. <laughs> you can do this by going to www.gooddayserpodcast.com forward slash community, or you can go to our website, www.gooddayserpodcast.com and click on community. Enter your email address and uh, it'll send an email to me and I'll add you in manually. So please be patient. But uh, I've been doing pretty good with that. Yeah, the, I feel like the Slack, it just keeps growing and growing. We're, uh, we're well over 400, 411 now. Yeah. <clears throat> we have we have some consistent uh, requests and a lot of lurkers, and that's fine. Yeah, I mean, you're more than welcome to just come in and lurk, and that's that's fine. We don't, you know, there are no requirements other than just be nice, you know. Yeah. Not that, not that you can't be critical. <laughs> Clearly, right? I mean, <laughs> that'd be a little hypocritical. If, <laughs> but we do our best to support each other, and we even entertain a little venting here and there. Yep. Uh, so back on communities, uh, one of my issues is I've been I've been having to work with files, and even just just the security model of the, the way, Salesforce files feature. Yes. Right. Okay. But Salesforce security in general, I think they've taken the approach of we're going to protect as much as we can by locking down everything when it comes to community. And so there's this huge wall between your community and your internal Salesforce data. Yes, it's the, that's the network wall. It, yeah. If you're using the backend terminology, right? Everything you know, like there's a lot of objects in Salesforce that one of their properties is which network is this, right. which network ID. It's either null, meaning you're in big Salesforce, mm-hmm. is what I call it, <laughs> or it has an ID, which is a and a network ID re- refers to a specific community that you have created, right? And that is a firewall. Yes. And, uh, you know, anything done or owned by your internal users, it typically does not get exposed to your external users. And data owned by your external users, most of the time, is often inaccessible to your internal users. Files being one of them. Internal users would have to use that, you know, they'd have to log in, they'd have to go into the community, and then they can see those things. Right. Like, I mean, all, as far as I can tell, because files was a chatter thing exclusively originally, right? It was called chatter files, right? Yeah. Okay. And all the chatter stuff seems to be one of these things that has a, it is in one network or the other. It's, it's a it network is. exclusive thing. It's either in big Salesforce or it's in one specific community. It's not like you can be like, oh, just make this on everywhere. No, you can't. Yeah. Pick which one you want it to go into. Yeah. And so I had a requirement, and this is, this is for a partner um, community, just to set the stage. Okay. And um, so the, the client had a requirement of they have certain files they want to share to certain people internally, meaning not everyone internally can see these files. It's, it's, that's its own challenge. But they also, for some of these files, they want to expose those files to the community. Well, there's, there's no way to share an internal file with an external community file unless it's available to everyone. You have to basically say this file is available to everyone internally and everyone externally, and then it'll show up. Yeah, yeah. Um, as soon as you make it private to anybody then it can't cross those walls. So I'm, I'm essentially creating two files. Okay. One for the internal and mm-hmm. one for the external. Hmm. Um, I did a proof of concept on this to kind of prove it worked and everything. And so we were getting ready to, I was finally getting to the point where I could display some of this. Well, what happened is the client changed the requirements on me. They went from using the native file component that I could drag and drop on the screen on the community to wanting a custom interface to, sure. to but, display right. that. <laughs> and, and every time that I've had a community with files, I mean, that standard file uploader thing would never have fit the bill ever. Yeah. It's it's so out of context. But it wasn't even just uploading. It was just to kind of display the files. They yeah, wanted okay. a custom way to display the files okay. because they wanted to sort and filter these things by a certain type, which was a custom field that we created, which files doesn't support. Okay. 
Um, and that wasn't part of the POC. So when I built this out and I thought everything was working fine and we do our testing and it's not working, I'm pulling my hair out because I'm, I'm having, I'm supposed to deploy in a couple of days and this isn't working. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's a great feeling, isn't it? <laughs> it is. And I can see the file exists. I can see the code's running. It's not erroring. Well, what was happening is the way I was, because I had to provide context, I had to say only show files for this, in this case, opportunity. What was happening is that the share that said that this file is related to this opportunity was created by my internal, by the internal user account, yeah. not the external. Mm. So when I ran my query on what's called the content document link, because that's where the file share happens, yep. uh, it wasn't able to see that record. So none of the files were showing up. So what I had to do is I had to rely on the magic field. And the magic field is Salesforce has this field on the just, content. Just for, for listener reference, John is doing a hell of a lot of scare quotes right now. <laughs> On, on content document or content version, uh, which isn't, I'm not going to get into it. I, 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 I understand why these, you know, abstractions or whatever have to exist, but boy, it is. It's confusing. To, to have a flexible system requires more abstractions than what you'd think it would. More, yeah. more concepts, right? The, right. The, the concept um, depth or whatever is, is it's, yeah, it gets, yeah. I mean, it's not too bad, but. It used to be so much simpler. You had like a attachment. Attachment. Yeah. <laughs> that was it. That was and it. with a parent ID. Yep. That was it. That's all you needed. <laughs> yeah, that's it. Uh, so no, in this case, I'm having to rely on a field that's called a first published location ID. So when you first create a file and you first, essentially you drag it and you drop it and you associate it to something, mm -hmm. which means in order for these files to get exposed to the user correctly, they have to drag and drop this file onto the opportunity record. They can't drag it into files and then grab it and associate it to file. So this first published whatever location, that's a is that that's a standard thing. It's a standard thing, okay. and basically, whenever you create a file and it's attached to a record originally, that's it, or whatever it was attached to originally, that's where it stores that 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 field. You can also set that field on on create. Okay, and it'll create the content Just, document link for you. Okay, and that's why Ooh, I said it's I a didn't magic know that. Field. Oh, there, there's a handful of magic. Wait, I just fields. learned something, John. Where's my bell? Where's my <laughs> bell, man? I don't have a bell. You can make the sound. You have a soundboard. <laughs> I know, but I don't know how to use it anymore, John. That's my problem. <laughs> oh, wow. Uh, you should see this. I can't. I'm stuck it's, in my chair. It's freaking out because I the uh, sapphire went out earlier. Oh, your bell's over there. Is Way it? over there. Oh, damn it. It doesn't help me over there. Yeah. Anyway. So anyways, there's a handful of magic fields in the content version that will, you can basically create a content version record and you can set these fields and it'll create the relationships for you. So you can set the first published location ID to a record ID Okay. and it'll create that content mm. document link record for you. Good to know. I've always, I've got, I can, I can think of so much code I've got right now that creates content, content version, and then the content, whatever document link or content, content. Content link. What is it? Content document link. That's content what it document is. link. Yeah. Oh. But you have to create the content version first to get the the content document ID. You, yeah, you can create the content version directly. Then you then you have to you query, have to, query. to get the content document ID. Right. <laughs> and then you can create the yeah. content document. So link. this would save you that because yeah. all you have to do is set that yeah. and it should no, that create it save for me. you. Yeah. It'll yeah. create that link that for would, you. That would have saved me some. Unless headache. you have to create additional shares, like okay, share it to this record and share it to this person, then you still have to go through that. I feel like like ninety percent of use cases, it's one thing. Usually, yeah. you're you're. It has one parent, basically, the, the, right. the file. Um, so anyways, I'm having to rely on that field. So I, there's basically now a set 
pattern to how you upload a file so that I can have a chance at displaying that to the user okay. because of all these restrictions. Mm -hmm. Because I can't query the content document link because it's not under the portal user's context, it's under the internal user context. And so that internal user also cannot see, or the external user cannot see the shares created by my internal user Man. account. Wow. So it's this whole mind-numbing thing because I can see the data and I can go in and query this data and see, okay, the data is there. Why is it not showing up? It's here. Why is it not showing up? But I have to remember the, that firewall and the context switch that happens there. It's the fourth dimension that you have to think about. The other, the other tricky thing that I've had to deal with is if you actually want, you know, if you want Salesforce to, to serve a file up, if you like, you want to know, okay, what URL do I have to put in the browser or in an, like in an image source tag or something? For Salesforce to serve a f directly a file, yeah. right when I request, there's some URL which is not published. You're not supposed to hard code against it, but I have to all the time. Right. With some, you know, server that they have that 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 serves up a file. Which I thought they closed that. Oh, I hope not because I've got so much stuff. That I think they're closing. No, that. because anytime you reference a, anytime think about it, and whether it's Visual Force, Lightning, whatever, anytime you're displaying a file or an image or something that's a, that's a, that's a Salesforce file. I'm doing scare quotes now. Mm -hmm. The official source for Salesforce file. If you actually look at the markup Salesforce produces, it's, it's got a, a link to that, to some servlet thing that directly serves that. Now, that servlet that serves that up, it's using your session ID and it's running all the permission stuff to figure out whether or not it's going to actually respond with that file. What's going to serve that file up? Which is why you have to have the native. You can't do any like your own permissions. Like you can't do it without sharing or whatever. None of that stuff applies mm -hmm. to this thing. Yeah. If they don't have access to that file, it's you're going to get a image not available. It'll serve up an image called image not available or something lame or whatever. Yeah. Or it'll just like I don't know. It'll respond with a, a you know four o something four o three or whatever it is. Four o four. Four hundred three. I probably I don't know if it does four hundred three or four hundred four. It depends on whether it's like not there or you just don't have access to it. But anyway, um, I've done, I've done things before where the just the you can't implement the sharing model that was needed with Salesforce's sharing model. Mm -hmm. And um, and I was going to tell you this because I knew you had this problem, and because I've, I've done this before. And uh, I happened to I think the last time I did it was I ended up deploying it to Heroku, but you can host it wherever. It doesn't have to be Heroku. Although it seems like. Everyone in this, every Salesforce developer, that's the only place they go to host their non-Salesforce things is Heroku because you got to keep it, got to keep it in the family, right? <laughs> <laughs> you know, <laughs> we have to make sure Daddy Benioff gets his his paycheck. I guess I don't know, um, but no, like a simple. Uh, I usually use um, like something really simple, like um, Express, like, like a Node Express mm -hmm. app, and it'll have credentials like baked into it. But it also uses like the, when the when the when a web browser requests something from it, um, it'll either pass like the session ID or you can do a no auth thing if you want. Um, but it, it does two things basically. One is that because it's got like a, an admin auth, you know account, it can go in and query whatever data it needs to in Salesforce to see whether or not, based on your custom permission scheme, this user has access to the thing they're asking for. Right. And then the reason the user passed in, you had it passed in their session ID, or you just grab it from the, you just grab it from the, um, to, uh, you, I don't you know, you, you couldn't get it from cookies, cookies because yeah. it's not going to be there, but you can, there's other ways to get it, I guess. I can't recall the exact details of that because most cookies are HTTP only. You can't get them via JavaScript. Anyway, there's a way to do it. But um, it's, it's basically, it's, it's to prove to this little Express app that the user is who they say they are. And I can then, I can use that to query Salesforce and say, basically, who am I? 
based on that session ID. I can impersonate that user and just say, who am I, basically, whatever that call is. Mm. And then I can and then I can query the, all the you know whatever data in Salesforce I need to figure out whether this user has access to that. And if they do that, it just it just, it, it basically it, it it then hits Salesforce's servlet thing right to to get this file co- data out and just proxies it right back to the user's browser. I don't hmm. know if that makes any sense or not, but I think so. If you really need a custom permissions model, that's that's a way to do it. Seems like a hack, but that's all I do is hacks, John. <laughs> <laughs> Well, fortunately, I'm not having to hack it, and um, <clears throat> I found the reason for it not showing up. But it was it was definitely um, touch and go there for a bit on what that issue was. Yeah. I just could not understand why, even though all the data was there, things were not showing up. But it yeah. also exposed some other issues, like my my attempt to keep the file in sync with what the internal file is is probably not going to. Yeah, happen I hate that. Talk about a hack. That's a hack too. Yeah. I think I can do it if I. I basically have to store the ID in both places. So I have to store it on the what I'm calling the shadow document. The portal document is my shadow document. I have to store the ID to the original, <laughs> but I also have to store the shadow document ID in the internal document. And it, of course, it's text because you can't create a true relationship. Yeah. But that's the only way because I found that if even if I'm internal, as long as I'm in a system context, if I know the ID to that record, I can get it. Yeah. But I can't just inter- from an internal even system admin context say query query all the documents I just it doesn't show up mm, yeah but if I know the ID it will yeah, so yeah. as long as I track those IDs I should have a good chance of keeping them in sync oh, it's like how do you want to how do you want to dirty yourself today hey I'm learning stuff I know I'm, I'm, I'm doing stuff we should at least doing the ma- hard stuff we should at least mention this beer before we move on this is because um, you you made your comment about it you weren't expecting I it I wasn't expecting it's it. pink right but it's called mmm fruit it's a Berliner Weisse style ale with plum, I guess. It's only 4%. So this is, you know, we should be, uh, have a spring in our step after drinking this one. And this is from, uh, this is from other half. Actually, I, I canceled my subscription I have to these other half because main, the reason is because 95% of the beers I was getting were these 8 to 10% like double or triple IPAs. And I just, I don't know if it's summer or just because I'm fat or what, but I just prefer a, a pale, like a, a low ABV IPA or a pale ale, something, you know. You'll be in lager something like it, before long. I'm, I'm, dude, I'm drinking, a, and drinking and brewing lagers like crazy. I'm brewing a, um, right now I've got a, a Dortmunder export fermenting. You can't be a true beer I got nerd a if you're drinking drink lagers. Dude, craft lager the, is, no, no, craft lagers are the hottest thing, the new thing in, uh, in the craft beer world right now. All these guys are making lagers now. Yeah. You're trying to, is everyone trying to replicate the, Pat, Pabs? No, they're not. Ribbon. No, they're not. <laughs> anyway, um, well, I've got an example of some really hard-hitting journalism, John. Would you like to hear this? I'm always this is from S- this is from SFGate, which is you know like the San Francisco newspaper, right? Oh, all right. So here's some hard-hitting journalism from right, SFGate. Let's hear it. <laughs> We're going around and asking people if they know what Salesforce does. I've actually asked a few times and people have told me. Uh, Salesforce, cloud-based, helping everybody with all of their sales needs. Salesforce, like the tower? Or have you heard about Salesforce? No, I haven't. Okay, probably. haven't heard about Salesforce? What did they do? Oh, they... I don't remember. I have no idea. I'm a nurse. I don't know. Have you heard of Salesforce, the company? No. Seen the tower? No. All right. Thanks so much. Salesforce, uh, I'm not sure. Big, big cloud. It's a big cloud. A big cloud. I don't know, and I know people that work there. Okay. Yeah. 
Salesforce, they sell a CRM, a CRM software. It's a CRM? I don't use it, but I use a CRM okay. platform. If you were to describe like what a CRM is to somebody who doesn't work in software, like what would be the simplest way of saying? Like a uh, way of keeping track of your customers. How to, you know, pick up your sales and how to find the best opportunities for your company. It's one of the better CRM systems about in the market. You know a lot about Salesforce. Do you work at Salesforce? I do not. I work for a bank here. My sister works for a company that actually just started utilizing it. Do you wish you knew what Salesforce did? Not really. We just walk around telling people Jesus loves you, so we really don't think about Salesforce that often. Did you know what Salesforce No, I didn't know what that was. Okay. But if he rates it, it must be good because he's very critical of a lot of software. Okay. So Salesforce passed the test for you? Passed my test, yes. That's what it does, yes. I have asked about it and I haven't really gotten too many straight answers either. Wow. So this is, I mean, this is an article on SFGate. It it's, does not appear to be an ad, but I mean, I'll, I guess this is an Ask John. John, I mean, was that, is that an article or is that a native ad? I don't know, because if it was an ad, you think they, they put a, uh, a montage of people who knew Salesforce and were like, yeah, Salesforce, woo, Benioff. And when you read the, I mean, there's actually an article that goes along with it. You know, it says, if you if you live, have lived, or will live, or want to live in San Francisco, chances are you've heard of Salesforce. For one thing, it's not hard to see the Salesforce Towers, which looms on over every crevice of the Bay Area, a thousand feet tall, is almost impossible to miss. Uh, you also see the Salesforce brand, the backpacks and logos and Hawaiian shirts seem to be everywhere in Salesforce, and which makes sense. Uh, I mean, you know, the company, I mean, it's just like, it goes on and on and on. You might, already, you might already know some things about it. Like, uh, for example, the lights of the tower can be visible 20 miles away. I mean, this is just, an, this is just a giant It's not ad. very green to have your lights flashing 20 miles away. It talks about away. Benioff's house and, and Dreamforce and how people are, you know, so you might be confused about what Salesforce does. And then, listen to this. The purpose of Salesforce is, of course, to available with some quick, oh, it's available. Oh, here we go. It's a cloud computing company that sells a customer relationship management product, which is a tool companies use to manage their sales and tasks, among other things. Uh, cloud categories, believe, uh, but we believe it is right at this point, people get confused. A recent search of Google revealed people are, for whatever reason, super confused as to what Salesforce I mean, they're like, they're just like telling you what Salesforce is. And it's just like, what? Okay, I've, I've changed my mind. It's an ad. But it's not an ad. It it's, is an ad. It's not, it does not say ad. But it, it is, is an ad. You it know why? It's like an ad. Because it, it's saying that there's still people out there who ha you have not reached with your marketing, that you need to go out and market yeah, those people yeah. and sell them CRM. Yeah. They're, they're still out there. We haven't reached market cap yet. There's still people that haven't heard about it, so go sell, sell, sell. It's still a growing market. So See, the, it's an ad. The, the great thing about this article, or ad, actually, is it's got about like over 50 comments on it, and some of these comments are great. So this one person says, Boston Properties got hoodwinked into, into installing an, a sewer mining facility on-site that will clog the city pipes and cost a fortune of public funds to make work. And then I looked it up, and it turns out they have a what's called a black water. You know, there's like clean water, whatever, there's gray, gray water and black water. And black water stuff that includes poop and stuff. Ew. I don't want black they, water. They recycle their black water. Ugh. It goes back into toilets, into flushing water. So the, I, well, the, no the water your toilet's being flushed with, if you're in that building, is water that's already been pooped in. Oh, in that building. In the okay. building. Um, it, you, they, they, they use the, they, uh, like their sprinkler system uses the poop water. Oh uh, yeah, I've heard of. I mean, I'm like, well, I've heard of like golf courses doing that. Like, but, don't run through the sprinklers in golf courses. But what's, what's the deal with Benioff in this stuff? I mean, first it was the poop ship. Right? 
And now we got, you know, it's the poop water. It's all over the place over there. So the tower does this? The tower yes. recycles its oh. Yes. Look at their, oh. it's, they, have a, they also have something called a sewage ejection system. What the hell is that? Is it, do they just launch cannons of poop water <laughs> everywhere? I mean, what, get out of the way if you, if, you hear the, if you hear the siren go off on that thing. and it's, it's about to blow. It's trying to feed the fishes. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Uh, okay, here we go. Here, what is Salesforce? A crap company that is a cult of personality of its leader who likes to make a really big show of charity. You're back to comments, by the way? Yeah, yeah. Okay. Um, setting context. All I know is that Salesforce is a despised company that built a butt plug on San Francisco and ruined views around the Bay. May it start to tilt. Oh, whatever. Um, let's see. It's, a first, it's officially the worst name for a corporation ever, selling some crap subscription data mining software. Uh, I think it's Amway. Salesforce is an overpriced electronic Rolodex, great for creating useless metrics that companies use with great relish to push idiotic ideas on how to run their business. Metrics can be bent any direction people want and just serve those who do the bending. Was anybody positive? Or are you just cherry-picking No, no. I mean, these are... You can go look at these. These are... Everyone no one knows what Salesforce is. They force sales. <laughs> okay. Um... Well, they keep thousands in the Bay Area employed and also built a children's hospital, so there's that. But I'd like to think I contribute more to the Bay Area by commenting on SFGate. That was kind of a positive <laughs> comment, right? <laughs> Salesforce and Twitter, totally low class for San Francisco, would not fit into the city years ago. The name alone sounds awful, and they don't do much but obfuscate, collect revenue, and look ugly. Anyway, I mean, this is the first few. There's, uh, there's quite a few pages of, <laughs> of these. <laughs> Uh, but that's why Benef's got to keep giving money away and, and to the schools and the hospitals and all this because he's got he's got to please all these people. Well, I mean, he's, he's got to keep a he's got to keep a positive you know association with with the name. And well, but anecdotally, I mean, well, last time we were there, we talked to the uh, what is that our Uber driver, and he was all about Benioff. He was no, yeah, he was he, he was Benioff he was, was the greatest. He was pro Benioff. He, he was he was pro Benioff. So, oh, let's see, I got some other Just stuff. These internet trolls, Jeremy. I know. What, let's see how we're doing on time. I'm getting, uh, I'm getting buzzed. Let's see. Oh, we're we're over an hour. Um, My stuff, stuff to talk about. I, I do All too. Right. I do too. I, in fact, I mean, I've got so much stuff from our like the last couple of recordings that's never got to. Um, I wanted to get to this uh, thing. Salesforce is vulnerable because I want to see if you agree with these. I'm not. I'm not sure I do. Vulnerable for Did you read this? Uh, no, just as an as an enterprise, they're vulnerable. This is from the Enterprise Irregulars, which is, uh, I don't know, you ever read their stuff? There's, they've got a couple of uh, guys that are quasi-journalists, I guess. Um, Tech journalists. Yeah, exactly. Let's see if I can find that clip. Where would that be? I've had, okay. I've got main, Bidioff, other, and samples. Other, maybe? <laughs> Let's see. Let's see. Uh, nope. Nope. So you have this fancy new app and you still can't I, figure I can't, it out. I can't. Oh, here we go. Keep in mind, these aren't real journalists, Richard. They're tech journalists. No, I, I, I promise I have about 300 clips. And I can fit, was it one, two, three, four times? One, two, three, four, five, six, And you're six, averaging seven, like maybe eight. one or two per I can have episode. 32, I know, 32 on a screen. <laughs> but I have, you know, I have like eight screens of these. I don't know where they are. And you can't just search. Get you a huge soundboard with like a hundred buttons, and I need an old school. You ever seen like a, the 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 car, the cart machines that radio mm-hmm. stations have? Yeah, I need one, one of those. those. Yeah, <laughs> give me give me one of those, John. Or I I I think some of them even employ a dedicated like sound person who oh, just yeah, sure. their job is to hit the, the clip button. <laughs> I need one of those. If you're interested in being the good day sir clip button pers- pusher person. <laughs> do you th- do you think we have it in the budget to hire someone like that? If they'll work for beer. <laughs> <laughs> uh, okay. 
this person, uh, let's see who this is written by. It's Vinny Mercandini. That sounds, I'm going to guess that's Italian. I give it an Italian pronunciation. It says, the biggest threat to Salesforce comes from within. And here are three angles. First one is economics. He says, several years ago, an executive at Fortune 50 company told me he would never buy a Salesforce. Quote, every dollar they earn, they spend two to th- two-thirds on SG&A, which is what, selling general and administration? Pretty much like everything except for R&D, mm. I guess. How exactly does that help me? Is what this, that's a good point. How does it help him? What does that mean? Every, so they, let's say they spend $100,000 a year on Salesforce. Mm-hmm. Salesforce is spending sixty dollars $70,000 on that just on selling and crap and marketing. How does that benefit? Why does it matter how Salesforce it's not going spends, in, It's not going the into money. the product. It's not going into the product. Too much of the money is not going into the product. Then why'd they get it in the first place? If they it has didn't. Fe- if they, they have, didn't. If, they ha- if Salesforce they has features, okay, but if Salesforce has features that you find valuable, that you find useful, and you bought it, then why, does, why I do think you the theory care is, on how If Salesforce can build and deliver what they do with only spending 20 or 30% of their money on the product itself, then surely someone else is delivering more because they're actually working more efficiently. They're putting more of their money back into their product. Mm. Okay. I think that's a, a theory. I, I mean, yeah. probably, I don't know. I didn't, it wasn't my quote, but uh, SG, the SGNA is somewhat lower now, but in some ways the perception is even worse. I have heard its customers ask in recent months about its new massive headquarters, the big parties at Davos and South by Southwest, and the big celebration that is the annual Dreamforce event. The tone is usually, how much does this cost? Uh, many of its customers in their fifth, 10th, 15th year relationship, what is concerning is they have not have seen, they have not seen any productivity which should come from multi-year contracting. We live in a world of Six Sigma and CMM and continuous improvement. If anything, customers report, the more stickiness you provide to Salesforce and partners on this platform, the more contentious are the periodic renewal negotiations. We, hear, we do hear about that. Mm-hmm. Although they don't have as bad of a reputation of people like Oracle in that. But he said they didn't buy Salesforce. How does he know? That's, a, I think that's, a, different, that's a different person. <laughs> okay. Uh, finally, the ecosystem around Salesforce starting to show its bulging TCO, which I guess stands for Total Cost of Ownership, right? Okay. Yeah. Salesforce has been bragging that it helps create millions of new jobs and takes credit for it helping to earn $859 billion in GDP impact. Mm. Service partners drool about Salesforce like it's the SAP of old. But who will be paying for all this labor? Customers. That's what I've always thought of that as well. Uh, okay, social activism. Uh, personally, I've, I've always admired Mark Benioff's col- colorful personality and his zest for music gastronomy. Yeah, he has mustard burgers and other good <laughs> things of life. <laughs> there are a number of people. Actually, I've got to learn more about his gastronomy. I don't know anything about it other than he likes these, these burgers with nothing but mustard. You know, like, like no bun. It's just like you're like picking up this mustard covered thing and just like, blah, you know. Maybe it's got a double patty with mustard in between. It can, yeah. And then what could you have on the outside that would keep your hands from getting too greasy? Cheat, I know, because that would get. I don't know. Lettuce? Yeah, lettuce. Yeah, lettuce. lettuce, There you go. That's the low-carb style. Yeah, Yeah. I've done that before. There are a number of people who admire his repeated stands on diversity and employment. A number of publications um, have the company on their most admired list. And he goes into like all these quotes on the most admired stuff. But then it says, Professor Braden King at Northwestern School of Management has studied trends in corporate activism for a while. Activism enhances your reputation in certain consumer demographics, but it can just as easily backfire, especially in executive settings. We have seen it backfire on him a couple of times. Yeah. In today's, but not usually. That's like a, that's a rarity, right? In today's highly charged political environment, you can come across opportunistic or even threatening, or wait, 
In today's highly charged political environment, you can come across opportunities, opportunistic or even threatening depending on your politics. Often people tune you out if they know you're going to add to all the political talk around us. Mm. I'm seeing other tech companies talk about their purpose and values, but Salesforce is clearly an outlier. Personally, I think it's vulnerable to see its product messages get conflated with its social ones. And if I were a Salesforce investor, I think that would be like my, I don't, I'm not sure I would be concerned about the other stuff, a part of the activism. I don't think it really moves the needle either way. Yeah, I don't think so. Um, but you spend a lot of your capital on, uh, on a lot of your brain, what do you call it? Mind share or mm-hmm. mind space, the, your perception space, right? On social stuff and, you know, virtue signaling instead of, instead of your stuff about your product. Like, but only to those who are trying to consume that, though. I mean, it's, well, it's none like, of us, none of us are trying to consume PR messages, but when they do hit our ears, it's like, what, what are the odds it's going to be something about the product versus something about, you know, especially when, it, I mean, gosh, what, when Salesforce does hit the news, I mean, what percentage of the time is it about something social? Yeah, that's true. It's a pretty big percent. So, I mean, that's, I think that's, that portion of it's valid. He also had a, this, his other third thing was product. And I just didn't buy this at all. In fact, I didn't even highlight it, but I'll, what is he saying here? He's, he's got a quote from Benioff that Benioff said, every time someone buys a server, a switch, or a data center, I have failed. And this guy says, the, reason, the reality is cloud has only penetrated 20% of the enterprise apps world when you add in an industry applications in geographic reach. Um, and the coverage of Salesforce and its platform partners is significantly smaller than that. It's unreasonable to expect much more from leading cloud. Vent. And I, I think it's the opposite. I think, oh, if you're saying they've got such a, a small piece of, of this pie, then like, they've got a lot of room to grow there. Well, they do, but I, I think, it, well, it, it kind of gets into this, which I'm not going to get into, but this article on some of the things that, that Benioff got right and wrong, one of them is just, you know, how the private cloud has, has become more popular as well. I mean, so, sure, there's room to grow, but I think a lot of companies, especially larger, more sophisticated companies, are opting for private clouds versus public clouds. Yeah, are, we, are you talking about SaaS, though, or are you talking about, you know… In, and pass and just stuff. in response to his statement that every time a customer buys a switch or a server, basically implements their own thing instead of buying Salesforce, that he's failed. But I mean, that's I think that's just the market. Or they're you may, I guess they're propping up their own servers and and putting Microsoft Dynamics on it or whatever it's called, right? What are those things? Is that what he's talking about? Or maybe they're home growing it. I don't yeah, know. that's could be Microsoft Access. <laughs> or uh, maybe they're doing out systems. You've heard of, we've talked about our systems before. Maybe they're building a full, full on React Native Angular crossover application. Who no. knows? Um, out systems. Do you remember them? No. They're a, um, they're a low code platform. Mm. And I think they're the ones that we talked about them before, I think. Uh, when you really, if you actually want to, you know, lift the hatch and get under the hood and, and do hardcore stuff, you actually get to pick like, They've got, you can either do it in Java or .NET. Hmm. And, uh... Can they coexist? Like, can I, I, can I do my .NET stuff and you can do your Java stuff? I don't know. Coexist? Honestly, I don't know. I mean, I guess you can pick, you know, you want to build this thing in Java, fine. If you want to build that other thing in .NET, fine. And then I build I, my module. And I think they, they layer filters. their low-code stuff on top of that. So if you want to stay in the low-code world, you can, but if you've got the skills and you, and you need to, you've got more, you know, you need to scratch the surface, then... You can, but anyway, they just raised, uh, well, where'd it go? I just said a ton of money. Great notes, Jeremy. $360 million. And they're in Portugal. It's such an odd, I don't, you don't hear, I mean, 
other than port. What comes out of Portugal? I don't know what's about Portugal. <laughs> I'm sorry. Someone can educate me on Portugal. Yeah. Um, they have, I think, I believe they, most of the world's cork comes from Portugal as well. They have like massive cork forests. Huh. Um, yeah. Mount systems. Keep my, uh, Jay was talking about them the other day too. Oh, really? Yeah. I think he, I think he's either doing some stuff with them or just kind of keeping his eye on them. I mean, I don't know. I'm, that stuff, honestly, and I think the Mount system doesn't, doesn't, doesn't interest me. I've always I, I said that some of these systems fail because they don't have a perspective. You know, it's it's fine to say I'm on this open-ended platform that you can build anything, but a lot of companies, they don't want to take – if they're looking for a system like this, taking the time to build it full custom all all out just isn't attractive. I wonder if I was thinking of Pega. Oh, maybe. I think I've gotten Pega and out confused. Now, Pega, I think, it rises to that bar you just described. They actually have – it, it's a SaaS, right? Mm-hmm. And they have they have, uh, they have like a CRM. Yeah, and they have, and there's there's they applications. There's there's services, a vision yeah. for you know processes and how things should work and all right. that. Uh, anyway, well, John, let's see what else do I have here on that article? Are you wrapping that one up or what? No, I just I just this is a tweet I saw, um, but I just found it interesting. So all of three all of Office three sixty five is almost finished, being completely. Rewritten in what language? JavaScript. Yep. And Skype, and Microsoft Teams, and VS Code, and all of the MS Edge Dev debug protocol, which I don't even know what that is. I guess it used to be on C or something. Hmm. Man, I'll tell you what, that Atwood's Law, he that was he was ahead of his time on predicting that. You do you know what Atwood's Law is? It's I should. Anything that can yes. be built in JavaScript eventually yeah. will be built in JavaScript. There you go. And he coined that, what, 10 years ago easily, I think? So it seems like it was 10 years ago. Yeah, I remember dismissing Node. I remember saying that's, that's just dumb. That's yeah. the dumbest idea I've ever heard. And I still, I still, for significant like enterprise projects, I don't, I don't, I'm not doing it in JavaScript. I want a static language. And maybe I'm an old curmudgeon or whatever. But I do do a lot of stuff in jo- in, in server-side JavaScript. Like that little, you know, I, like the little thing I'd, I'll do like a little express app to to proxy uh, file requests in Salesforce. I mean, little things like that was, you know, small functionality that, that don't have like lots of sub-project and modules and multiple developers and massive unit test suites and all that kind of stuff. You know, I, I don't mind doing stuff like that in JavaScript. Yeah. Well, uh, can I, can I no. interject? No, since you're dominating. <laughs> okay, I haven't had got a chance to say a word or two. <laughs> uh, I did. I did kind of want to revisit this. I mentioned it on the Slack, and it was. It was. I decided I was going to start using Switch. <laughs> had an opportunity switch. to use the Switch statement in Apex, oh, and wow. I was like, I'm going to use this. Oh, and this you couldn't. Be fun. Right? You couldn't use it because <laughs> it has to be a. It has to be a. a, a... It, it can only support literals, s objects, or s object types. I should be switch is a literal. Um, or enumerations or enums. Now, I don't understand why it couldn't do constants. I wonder because a constant I, really isn't a constant. It's technically a variable. No, it's not. It's a, it's a constant. Variable. Usually they get baked into the compiled. Maybe. Like they get, it mean, gets inlined everywhere. It's not like we have a constant keyword. So but that's what, like, like in original C, I mean, it had to be either a, a literal or, or I'm pretty sure it could be a constant if it was a constant because again constants can be can be inlined everywhere yeah I wasn't really expecting it to be to to handle a variable I mean I don't think that's the right use of a switch is to, to use a variable but why not I mean nowadays I mean it didn't used to be for performance reasons 
but now with like smart, you know, like the things with like um, the .NET runtime and the JVM and all these things that are that they look at the code and they're the it's constantly like optimizing it as it's running mm-hmm. because because you're running against a v, you're running bytecode against a VM. It's it's yeah that abstraction layer where you can optimize these things. Um, why not? Why not variables? I mean, that's why some of the so many of the newer languages you can switch on all kinds of stuff. Yeah. I don't know. I, I guess I kind of like the the approach that um, JavaScript has taken is that, you know, traditionally, at least for me, from my perspective, constants are always this top-level thing. You define them in some class or you define them at the top of your class. They're always this global thing in context of your scope. They were never kind of in line with your function methods, but yet with JavaScript, you're kind of encouraged to use constants and you're encouraged to to use those. And I guess from that perspective, using a variable-style constant within your switch statement makes sense. What, what do you mean variable style? Con- it's either a constant or a variable. Can't I, don't be, know. I don't know what you're trying to say. I guess because I don't define them as a constant. I, I define them as a public static final. And that to me just, it, why don't I just have a constant keyword instead of public static final? Well, because the language doesn't have a constant keyword? Does Java not have a constant keyword? No. Really? Uh, it's public static final. That's, that's a Java construct? Uh-huh. Wow. See, I don't know Java. Well, you kind of do through Apex. Well, I guess I know. No, well, you, no. you know, nineteen ninety eight Java, uh, minus a lot of features. Let's see. I'm .NET. I I've always had constants. They had the word const. The yeah. name const. I don't const. think this Java. I don't think Java has const. Maybe I'm a dummy. No. Yeah. Here we go. Sacrifice. Why is there no constant in Java? See. Oh uh, yeah. I don't know. There's some. There's some major CS answer. Well, either that. way. Um, Hopefully, it's something they they add to it and they allow us to use constants. Because I mean, you know what? So actually, I have to correct myself because I don't think a constant is the same as a public static final. Because a public static final can be assigned dynamically at runtime. It just once it gets a value, it can't change. Right. But that value is not known at compile time. With it doesn't have to. It's not required to be known at compile time. Yeah. Because my understanding with a constant is the compiler could technically just find and replace all those values or just inlines them everywhere. Inline them everywhere. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Um. But a, but a static final doesn't have that. It's more like a perfect protected variable. Yep. Um, so that, that I guess that in my head, that's why I think of it as a variable okay. over a constant. No, you're right. You're well. It's a protected it's a variable. Final, it's, it's a final versus a constant. Is I think yeah. the right way to say it, right? Yeah. Okay. So I don't, I don't know. Yeah. Um, I mean, if you want to look at a really cool implementation <laughs> of uh, Switch, check out Kotlin Switch. Why would I want to torture myself and see like yeah. great implementations of Switch? Just so you know what you're missing, I guess. <laughs> you know, uh, be a little, but no, it's just more of an FYI. You know, I tried it. I, I thought I was going to get to use it, but I, I can't. It, it's a nice. Well, not it's, that it's not useful. I mean, that, that's, it's useful. Yeah. yeah, I mean, it's nice where you and you can. I was really happy to see my code get cleaner for yeah, using yeah. it, but um, unfortunately, I couldn't use the constant. And 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 unfortunately, unfortunately, unfortunately. These were values that I had to use in multiple places, so obviously I'm not going to want to hard code or do a, a literal on that. I've gotten a way of doing so little Apex in the in for quite a while now. Yeah. Um. Yeah, I've. I mean, yeah, the the switch as I, at least as I know it, I haven't used it, but I've I've read the docs on it, and uh, yeah, I mean that that'll be useful for a, a lot of things. Yeah, it's definitely a, a step in the right direction. Yeah. Though we need about a thousand other steps in the right direction. <laughs> well, are we wrapping up? Um, yeah, I'm I'm kind of done, right. and I think my my wife is wanting to go eat dinner. Oh, you get to go we out are tonight? Childless. I'm actually getting on a plane in the morning. I heard. Yep. Heading to the, pick uh, up the slack on the my great end. state of Colorado. Well, you guys go and 
vacation and party and whatever yeah. you're going to do. I'll probably end up working half of tomorrow and Friday. Hey, are you, what is, what the, it's it's 5.50 p.m. and I got people slacking me. Can, can you get on a call, work through some of these issues? No, it's 5.45. <laughs> I'm not starting a new meeting. Yeah. I'm I'm invoking Elon Musk and I'm saying no. <laughs> well, I do want to finish on one more thing. I do want to give uh, friends of the show some a little a little bit of a uh, notoriety. Uh, Brett Nelson, he at the Texas Dreaming, he did a presentation on his uh, on a progressive web apps, um, and I guess he's going to do that presentation again at uh, Big Sky Dreaming. Do you know what Big Sky is or where it's at? Montana. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I, I I knew that was Montana, but at the same time I was like. Is that Montana? Because okay. like nowhere on the website does it say Montana. It just is Big Sky. Yeah, is that you're the, just is, supposed to assume Montana? No, I think that's like it's like the Lone Star State. You know where the Lone Star State is? I guess, but I'm from Texas. Well, so all every, I think doesn't every state have an official nickname? I guess. And some but cities. Not, have I don't know right? them all. Do I you know either. them all? No, probably not. What's Hawaii? Volcanoes, volcanoes everywhere. I don't know the Mark Benioff State. <laughs> <laughs> wouldn't wouldn't it be a uh, Larry Ellison? Doesn't he have a bigger chunk of? He has like a whole island. I have no. Ellison idea. has an island. Oh, does he? I don't know if it's a Hawaiian island, but it, he has an island. Pretty sure he has an island. No, I'm pretty sure all the world's islands are in Hawaii, so it must be a Hawaiian island. Maybe. <laughs> Could be Bahama Island. Yeah, I don't I don't know if uh, Big Sky is the official nickname, but yeah, I, I knew that. Isn't there a brewery, Big Sky Brewing or something? I mean, I'm sure I probably knew it through beer. <laughs> That's pretty much how I... Montana. Well, I mean, the only thing I know about Portugal is what wines and wine-related products it produces, <laughs> so <laughs> there you go. <laughs> Such an alky. <laughs> uh, pretty much. <laughs> Uh, we need to do an intervention on you pretty soon. I know. All right. Well, Big Sky is, is open for registration if you're going to be in the area and you want to hear uh, Brett Nelson talk about progressive web apps. It's an interesting conversation. Uh, www.bigskydreamin.com. And it is, um, it's July 19th through 20th. July yep. 19th and 20th. This Oh, that's coming up. That's, that's coming that's up quickly. A little over a month. And he said he may have discount codes. So check Slack. And we already talked about how to get on Slack. Yeah. Um, so we can what, do that again, surely. Well, uh, let me just briefly say it's gooddaysirpodcast.com. Click on the community link and you can figure out the rest from there. Uh, what else do we need to, what other uh, back matter? Oh, we have a community thing. Do we? I'm sorry. What's a community let's, thing? Let's, what is that? Um, someone sent us something from the community. Let's cover that really quick and then we'll end it. Okay. Um, where are you? I lost you. This one's from, um, I lost you. Oh, here it is. Uh, this one's from Stephen Noe. Okay. <laughs> He said we could use his name. He's a regular contributor. Yes. So he had sent us this notification that he got uh, about a potential, uh, not not a, it wasn't a security breach, but it was a security faux pas that they had to correct with like a, P, uh, a P zero with the logging um, uh, URIs in their logs, and that's an issue because there is a mechanism to log into Salesforce using URI, which. I don't think they should even allow. That surprises me. That I actually that. use it to bypass the, the verification, especially. It, it happened, Bad John. It happens in the Salesforce world where you have to share accounts in the part in the community because for some reason the client doesn't want to give us a damn account for whatever. Well, and I and I know, um, and not, I've the seen person who owns it. I can't get a hold of, and I have to log in. So I've seen, and that's none of, none of that we work with. So people who know who we work with don't even think about this because no one we work with now. But I've seen in the past partner companies. That when you go on their Salesforce and you're looking at like a, an account that's like their customers, mm-hmm. they'll have a a formula field that's a link that merges in the username and password to get into oh. their client's org, and you just go click these links. Yeah, I think that's what uh, 
some of these IDEs use to log you into Salesforce. Like you can you can jump into, and this is how I bypass the verification, is I'm already logged in, authenticated in my tool, but I don't have, like for some reason I've cleared my browser cookies and I can't log into the actual interface, the web interface without getting an, an authorization token. Mm-hmm. And of course the person's out and I can't get that authorization token. It doesn't have my email. So I'll go into to, to my IDE and tell it to go to Salesforce setup and it uses the URI stuff and passes the credentials and it goes in. It doesn't do the two-factor authentication. Hmm. That's interesting. Isn't that a security hole? <laughs> yes, but I use it. Don't close <laughs> so, it. Yeah, don't, don't fix it. <laughs> don't fix it. Yeah. But hopefully, I hopefully, hopefully no Salesforce employees are listening. Are they, no, they, they're, they're going to close it. So you, that's going to be something they're going to close. Reminds me, they, speaking of Salesforce employees listening, have you looked at our stats and like in terms of like the ranked cities that... No. That listen to our podcast? No. San Francisco, that's the Bay Area blows mm-hmm. everything away by a factor of like four. Like the next city is like four less than San Francisco than San Francisco Bay Area. Wow, where's Texas on the list? Since it's pretty far down. Really? Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's more Texans listening. I know. So we're a better chance of doing meetups. <laughs> um, uh, but yeah, that's a hole that's gonna get closed. So uh any tool or well, person, people or that are utilizing that um so it's, what's it's about to be closed. And if you think about the practical, like what's the harm in you know, considering that everything is HTTPS now and like if you have a URL that's got the username and password in the URL, because that's what's happening, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, the brow- your browser makes a secure connection to the destination server mm-hmm. before a URL ever gets sent. Right. Um, the the practical problem nowadays is a lot of systems um, log, and I'm, I'm, Salesforce probably does. They log every URL that comes, every request that comes in. And the that's whole what URL. Yeah, yeah. And the other thing is is a what potentially could be a hole here is. Let's say that for some reason someone dropped the, it. They tried to de- go to that URL just using HTTP. Now it may fail because Salesforce is going to immediately redirect you right around to HTTPS. But mm-hmm. th- that URL request went a- across the entire internet yep. uh, um, in clear text. Right. So, but I think the other issue is on the off chance that Salesforce servers or where that those log files are stored. If for some reason there's sure. an access yeah. to that mm-hmm. and someone's able to access that, now they have those logs and those logs have yeah. username and passwords. It's just a, it's a general security practice to not pass anything you know, sensitive in a URL. I think the exception is because like Salesforce, that whole front door.jsp, I mean, they, they pass a session ID through that, but that's at least the session ID is temporary and revocable. Right. Right. And it's, you can't, yeah. And, and temp, theoretically could be, I guess, limited. In scope, I don't know if it like, you, like if it's an OAuth thing, like you could have a limited scope on that, but I, I, I'm not sure. Well, I mean, the session is tied to a user account, and user account can be tied to whitelist, whitelists, or you know, network access, or even just time yeah. time access. So yeah, I mean, well, John, I feel like we're rumbling on about a bunch of crap we don't know what we're talking about yeah. at this point. That's usually when we need to wrap the show. I up. just want to make sure that we I know acknowledge no, yeah com- community contributions, and we asked for more. No, we didn't. That's good. Thank you, Stephen. Yeah, and well, uh, and and. Yes, you dear listener. You can also do what Stephen Noe just did, and you can send us an email because we like to get questions or topics or feedback, whatever. Uh, and that is at info at gooddaysirpodcast.com. You can use your email client of choice. We do not discriminate. <laughs> what else, John? Uh, we've talked about the Slack. Reviews would be yeah, nice. I mean, yeah, we'd love to get reviews. They, they, they supposedly help other people find this community, which I think uh, is, is a noble effort. So if you would be so kind to leave us like an iTunes review or even just go click the stars, that even helps. Uh, but reviews are good, whether it's like Stitcher. Well, no, you can't do Stitcher. 
Google or uh, or iTunes. I think are the main iTunes, places. Yeah. But those all help, and we really appreciate when people have done that. We've got quite a few reviews, but I, I think it's one of those things, especially in iTunes. It's, it's with iTunes. It's like, what have you done for me lately? Like, if you haven't gotten any reviews for a while, it starts dropping you down. Yeah, doesn't matter how many you've got in total history. Like, they have to keep coming in. All right. Oh, I think that's all I got. I don't know, John. Yeah. I haven't done this in a while. I'm not, I'm not practiced on my back matter. I know. We've we've kind of slacked. I um, just want to say thank you to everyone at Texas Dreaming who came up and talked, and um, even even Brett, who who gave us a shout-out on the on his uh, demonstration. Oh, not yeah, verbally, yeah. but he had his phone up, and he had he – because had, I believe his first prototype of the Progressive Web app was his uh, Good Day, Sir uh, soundboard. <laughs> so he actually had two icons on his phone that ended up on the big screen. You know, I use that. <laughs> did, where is that? That's at the – GoodDaySirArmy.github.io. Yeah. Oh, you have to put the slash in there, but it's like slash mini dash soundboards. That's kind of hard to get to, but no, I, I actually. So use apparently, it. that's see. enable to be a progressive web app so because you, can, you go to the website. There's a drop down for solutions and a drop down for <laughs> industries and a drop down, and it's like, <laughs> where's your product? Where's um, the thing that I can actually push the buttons and clickety clacky on? You know, where is it? <laughs> I'm going to start using this soundboard because it's say, more accessible maybe, than mine. Maybe you should just start using that. I like this one. 86% confident that is a hot dog and not a Roger Mitchell. <laughs> Here's John's parenting advice. They're licking the floor. I'm like, eh, yeah, it'll be fine. He'll survive. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, well, are we done? Uh, we, <laughs> we, <laughs> I'm out of gas. All right. Well, and to that, I say good day, sir. You get nothing. You lose. Good day, sir. <laughs>